welcome back to America's favorite podcast, Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. I'm Stephanie Brimhall, the Director of Education and Community Engagement with the Kansas City Symphony. And I'm Mike Orden, Principal Flute. So it's May, and that means Memorial Day is right around the corner, and we thought it would be a lot of fun to revisit one of my favorite episodes of this podcast, which we recorded way back, way back, Mike, in May of 2020, so almost exactly three years ago, with our incredible guest, Tim Donnelly from the band The Resilient. I was shocked, actually, when I looked back and saw that that conversation was basically exactly three whole years ago. And uh, this was one of my favorite conversations that we've ever had as well. And I felt so privileged to get to talk to him. Uh, but it was it was a bit of a different time. We were in the uh, deep throes of the pandemic and uh, his band, The Resilient, was supposed to come for celebration at the station. And of course we had to cancel our uh, our Memorial Day festivities. That's right. And we are so excited to be able to invite the resilient back to celebration at the station this year, which makes this conversation with Tim um, so, so relevant right now. And it's just a great reminder about the incredible event that's going to be happening here in, uh, in Kansas City here at the end of the month. We are on the heels of another huge event that happened at Union Station. But Mike, I can say that we did it first, right? The draft happened. We did it first and we <laughs> did it best. You know, I was I was uh, out of town during the NFL draft, uh, but I saw I saw it on TV elsewhere and, and I was looking at it and I thought, well, this is, you know, the NFL, it's a, it's a good effort from them, but it's no <laughs> celebration at the station. Uh, so, so if you liked what you saw at the draft, come back for celebration at the station. Uh, it truly, it's, it's one of my favorite events of the year for the symphony because number one, it's usually our biggest audience of the year. We get thousands and thousands of people uh, out on the lawn there uh, between the Liberty Memorial and Union Station. They come out, they make a great day of it. They have, you know, picnics, their food trucks, uh, there are things happening all day. And then it culminates uh, in this wonderful concert with Michael Stern and the Kansas City Symphony. And then of course, fireworks. Of course, fireworks. You can't have a Memorial Day concert without fireworks. Is that right? Uh, I'm I'm told the answer <laughs> is no. And and best of all, this year we finally uh, have the resilient back because um, they uh, were one of our most fantastic guest artists uh, years ago. Remind me which which year were they here? 2013. The it's time? it's been. 10 years. Ten I think it's years. been 10 years since they were here. Yep. It's been 10 years since they were here. And that uh, that appearance, that performance was very much indelibly uh, printed on my mind ever since they were here. And they were supposed to have been back, of course, as we said, three years ago. And now they're finally coming back. They are. Um, and you'll learn from this episode, that means we owe Tim Donnelly a dirty martini. We do. I think we all need to sit down and, and have a, a dirty martini together. But I hope this um, that our audience enjoys uh, listening to Tim, our conversation with Tim, and all of the wonderful things he has to say about um, the his home group um, from Musicor, and then um, they branched off into the Resilient. And uh, uh, for those of you who heard them in 2013, one exciting thing is uh, we're bringing back Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, which was so incredible and so um, moving. Uh, and we'll be able to hear the resilience version of that this year at Celebration at the Station. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation where we also get to hear from our old friend Jason Sieber and Mike Gordon, myself, and Tim Donnelly from the band The Resilient. So Tim was actually part of that music core group that performed with the symphony in 2013. So Tim, I have to say thank you for giving me one of my most incredible celebration at the station experiences. Well, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, I feel like I did most of the work on my own. So uh, I will take that. <laughs> no, it was, As you it should. was insane. Um, everything about that whole uh, show was just one one step into you know the barely believable after another um from the size of the crowd to you know having all of these amazing musicians sitting right behind us and uh then um you know alita adams joining us 
it, it just it was just one thing after another, and it, it really did turn out amazing. So, Tim, that that music core performance was one of your first ones, I believe. You you had played a few uh, gigs before that, but then all of a sudden, you're now in front of a crowd of forty, fifty thousand people at Memorial Day. Just tell us what that was like. I mean, you just told us a little bit about that that sensation of being overwhelmed with all these cool things, but looking out and seeing that large of a crowd. Cause as Mike said, I think that's one of the coolest things about this event where rarely can you give a concert with that many people, unless you're like in a stadium or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, you're talking about, that's like a very large portion of, um, active duty Marines, like that crowd, you know, comprised more than half of what, what, the entirety of the fighting force of the Marine Corps in its active duty. And um, wow. so to, yeah, I mean, you know, looking, looking out before at companies of Marines and um, you got hundreds and, you know, sometimes a couple thousand Marines there and it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. But I mean, that just swelled it up by such a huge number. It's, you don't see any, it's like trying to see any individuals or anything is just, it's impossible. It's, it's so vast. It is. It's a sea. I mean, it really is a sea of people from the stage all the way up this giant hill to uh, the memorial wall. It's insane. And for me, <laughs> um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a professionally trained musician. I'm not, you know, music wasn't, you know, my, my job or my career or, um, and in such a short time to get put in in a couple of these kind of positions and and to be up there on stage with you guys in front of a crowd like that um it, it's a little intimidating but you know you you do your work you and you just stick to the script and go <laughs> for it so let's back up a little bit um can you can you just talk to us about how you came to be involved with music Corps? You know what? What led you to to joining that group? And because uh, obviously there was a little bit of time between when you joined the group and and when you joined us in Kansas City, but it it wasn't that long. Yeah. So um, Music Corps is a nonprofit. It's based out of uh, D.C. and they mainly work at uh, Walter Reed, uh, the military hospital there. And basically, when I was injured in the beginning of 2012, February of 12, um, Music Corps was just uh, a couple teachers and they were doing some classes and um, there wasn't really any group coordination or um, there wasn't a band yet or anything. And uh, so they just kind of wandered around the hospital from the gyms to, you know, where guys are working on their prosthetics and, you know, sometimes they'll they'll hit up your, you know, maybe your doctor or, you know, one of your therapists or something. And they're like, oh, by the way, you know, so-and-so, one of, one of the therapists told me you used to, like, do this or, you know. Um, and so they, they try, as well as other nonprofits, you know, for, I mean, all kinds of stuff from sports to, you know, um, Paralympic stuff to hunting to, you know, basically anything to try and get these guys, you know, give them a spark back and get them just readjusted and to, so that they want to actually um, interact with the world around them. And, uh, and so a lot of it's just about like prying them out of that, that initial little box they've got themselves sewn into. And uh, for me, I, I kind of told them, Music Corps, I, I told them to uh, take a hike the first couple times um, because I just, I wasn't, I wasn't into it. And um, guitar was my main thing and what I really enjoyed playing. And my right arm was pretty, pretty chewed up and um, a lot of nerve damage, a lot of muscle damage, doesn't bend at the elbow, doesn't rotate at the wrist. And so I just didn't see any options there and uh, so I wasn't exactly very kind or willing my my first couple times, but um, uh, after a while, just something about it stuck with me, and I I went and saw them, and um, turned out nobody else like really wanted to sing or do any kind of vocals, and that's where I got that's where I got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> it chose you then. So uh, talk, talk about that for a minute though, because it's really interesting. You know, I know a lot of musicians who, um, 
you know, played for a long time and then had, you know, some kind of injury, not, not from the military like you did, but, you know, either from overuse or something that prevents them from, from being able to do what they, you know, used to be able to do on an instrument. And you, you talked about music actually being part of your life for a long time. So what is it that, um, what is it that got you over that hump to, you know, enjoy making music again, even if physically you weren't able to, you know, do it or feel it exactly the same way that uh, you did before? Um, geez, uh, that's a really good question. <laughs> I think, I think, um, I think part of it was I needed time to grieve. I mean, it's there's times you can just bear up under it and you know just push past it and okay, that's gone now, but it still hurts but you don't want to deal with it because it hurts. And um, yeah, I think I just needed some time to, to grieve and to like let some of that stuff go and, um, and give myself a little time to, to realize that, you know, okay, it's not exactly the same, but I'm still the same person. And, you know, I used to write. And uh, so why, why wouldn't I be able to do that again? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I can't do the exact same things, but finding finding enough pieces can, I think, sometimes uh, save you from too too heavy a loss of the whole, if that makes sense. But yeah, uh, I think a lot of it comes down to just being able to to let go and to realize. I mean, people aren't particularly good at that anyway. You know, we we want what we want and. <laughs> We have our plans and our ideas, and if it doesn't go that way, then we're in a funk, and it it mm. throws us off, and you know we don't know what to do with ourselves. Um, but uh, between between the time and um, boredom, de- definitely did part of it. Um, <laughs> you you know I, you're working on your prosthetics and doing your little workouts and trying to get back to being stronger and um, and uh, you're so exhausted all the time that you don't really do, you know, you just like go back, want to go back to your room. It's like, I don't want to have to deal with people. I don't want to have to deal with anything. I just want to like chill for a while. And um, I know for, for Nathan, um, our, our guitarist, he, he used to play six, eight, ten hours a day sometimes because he just didn't really want to do anything else. Um, and so it definitely, it, it fills in the gaps so I have a question. Um, do you remember, do you recall any details or any memories come back of like your early, your earliest times, you know, coming into the music core scene? Like, do you have any memories about what that was like or how that imprinted on you? Um, yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, you know, it's awkward and, you know, you, they had a, a music room. Mm-hmm. that we could go to and uh Arthur he's the head of music corps Arthur Bloom he he would be there um he's a pianist he might just be sitting in there you know messing around or you know trying to get somebody on the phone to you know be meeting up for lessons and stuff and arranging lessons for um guitar teachers to be coming in and teaching guys or um and so you don't really, you, you know, initially you don't really know anybody else there. It's, you just know Arthur. There's a couple other guys there and, you know, you're all pretty, pretty banged up, pretty doped up. So it was pretty awkward early on, not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> especially like I didn't, I didn't want to sing with like any of the other guys around initially for the first while because it's just just a little odd. Well, part of any band, of course, is the chemistry of the band. And a lot of times everyone knows each other going into it. Maybe they were high school buddies or whatever. And I can imagine being put into that kind of situation where you're just getting to know other guys who went through similar things with you. I mean, it it had to have been a little tricky that you didn't have that chemistry right away. I guess my thought, my question for you is, you know, music is a a therapeutic device. We, music therapy is used in hospitals and assisted living places all over the the world. Mm. Um, And there's a part of our brain, of course, that music has a special place in that it has nothing to do with anything else in our brain. Did you find eventually, once you got past all the awkwardness of it and and really got to know the other guys and started, you said you started singing and that you weren't really a singer, you're more of a guitar guy, so you're also trying to figure out something new. 
what, at what point did, did music maybe become the healing device all of a sudden, not just for what you were going through physically, but what you were going through emotionally in your mind as well? Well, I, for the first couple months, I didn't listen to any music at all, really. Like, uh, mm. um, and that's all, you know, that was 99% of those first two, three months is spent in the one hospital room, never leaving, um, mm. not really even leaving the bed. And um, for those first couple months, I, I didn't listen to music at all. Um, I'd, uh, there were times I'd hear, you know, like an old, a song I, I used to enjoy or used to play. It was, it was hard. I did not deal with it well all the time. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the thing about music. It's connection and, you know, wordless emotion. And um, it, it pulls all that, all that out of you. And um, I think part of what made it such a hard experience, but also um, then a healing experience is you know, you're exposing yourself, your, your heart and your soul in different ways to these people that you're not really, you, you know, you're not sure how it's going to be received and you're not in the best place, you know, at the time being. And so, um, yeah, some, you know, some really deep stuff came out of it, though, that um, some really dark stuff sometimes. Um, but, you know, just it, I think it, helped us reconnect with the part of ourselves that rather than just being angry and jaded and it makes you connect, reconnect with your own emotional side and um, where, you know, even for us having to put that on hold to be going on a combat deployment. And, um, you know, there's, there's a whole, its own disconnection there. And, uh, and so, I think, yeah, the guys, it's surprising. They, they really open up. They really develop and, you know, start being able to see their, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses and what to work on. And, um, and yeah, when, when it came down to it, we, we were able to connect with each other. And um, then through that, we, we saw that as... Um, inability to use that music to um, use what we've gone through to connect with other people and, and to try and, you know, reach them in a, in a hard place or just, you know, I mean, it's life. Life's pretty, life's pretty rough all around. Yeah. So you've talked about, um, you know, the guys that you've been playing with and maybe just since we're in a podcast setting, um, can you talk a little bit about maybe, because you've all sustained different injuries, um, and there, so you'll have you maybe have different adaptations, um, not just in musicor, but then also in your new band um, that it, that you guys are a part of now, the Resilient. Could you talk a little bit about just kind of what everybody's injuries consist of, and how that's kind of brought you guys together, and you know adjustments that have had to be made. Um. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the guys who are uh, members of the Resilient, there's four of us who are uh, full-time members, and then um, we uh, will hire a, a bass player different times depending on uh, what's going on. Um, but the four members of the Resilient are myself, uh, Dom Juan Dominguez, is his name uh, nickname Dom Marines or Lazy, <laughs> um, and then uh, Nathan Kalwicky. He uh, was uh, Army. He was a soldier, and he and he was he was in Music Corps as well, right? Yes, Juan Dominguez was not. He uh, was kind of doing his own thing, and he was injured a couple years earlier than uh, Nathan and I, and so um, we met. We met Dom and got to know Dom at a couple of music core shows that he played at with us, but he wasn't a member of music core at the time. And um, he was he was just forging away, doing his own thing and um, making making some good friends. And uh, then um, Nathan, he he's injured as well. And uh, then Greg Lohman, our uh, guitarist, our lead guitarist, he. Um, 
was a teacher for Music Corps. And hmm. so Nathan and I were members back, I want to say our first big show was in the end of 2012. Mm-hmm. And um, that was kind of our first, our first big break. And um, that was what really gave us our, our confidence booster that like, yeah, we can do this. And, um, and I think that um, uh, over time, you know, where Greg was teaching Nathan guitar and he's teaching, you know, different guys at the hospital, different instruments, um, just over time in music core doing, doing these different shows and stuff, it moved from, um, you know, being colleagues and, hey, you know, we, we work together to do this stuff. And um, it turned into just, you know, being close friends and our, our respect for each other's abilities and, and also just that, you know, that question mark why factor of, the the chemistry of uh you know creativity when when you're in the same place and just that motivation to to push you forward so it definitely uh we kind of were all we were all doing our own thing and music core was a nice music core was a great program and a, and you know it's where we got our start um in in a lot of ways but um then we wanted to to take that and we we had some stuff we wanted to say, and we wanted to be able to just be creative and um, not have to worry about maybe our message. Or um, so it it really uh, it evolved in a lot of different ways there as time went on. And so um, Greg is the only one in the band. Um, Greg out of the four is uh, he was a civilian and uninjured. Um, I lost both of my legs above the knee. And um, had some pretty substantial damage to my my right arm and my back. Um, Dom uh, was in an explosion, and he lost uh, both of his legs and his right arm above the elbow. And uh, he's our drummer. And um, then Nathan got uh, he was shot, and uh, he ended up losing his uh, one leg above the knee because of that. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're definitely like kind of a, it's like the island of misfit toys, but. Um, <laughs> I have to say that uh, everyone out there should watch the videos of them playing because, you know, all of them, he's, he's describing this. You wouldn't hear a bit of it in the music. I mean, whatever their, whatever their physical uh, injuries might be, especially the drummer, watching their drummer is just <laughs> the biggest blast in the world well didn't it's, you say it's a little unbelievable it's pretty it's pretty wild didn't you say that he was not a drummer before his injury that is correct um he <laughs> wow. he uh um he had an, a couple different bands along the way from when he was in high school and then you know soon after and you know he had his friends and um dom dom used to do some uh, screamo songs and uh and um you know just heavy shredding guitar and uh Mm -hmm. yeah so it's definitely um you never know where you're gonna end up he he uh he just kept going after it and trying it and next thing you know he's he's a boss i mean we've had to re reconfigure he's had to reconfigure his kit a million times you know trying just trying different stuff out but it works yeah well, you guys are a killer band. I've enjoyed watching uh, several of your videos on YouTube. And, you know, you mentioned something just a little bit earlier that made me think, you know, how you said how you guys wanted to go out on your own once you had been involved in Music Corps to form a new band now that you guys were good friends. Some of the things I've seen you guys do are cover songs, and you, you were a hell of a cover band. But now, of course, you're doing all your own original stuff. Talk a little bit about that process as an artist of... Um, wanting to branch out because I think one of the hardest things, even if you're a talented musician, and especially we deal with this in the classic classical music world all the time. So many of our musicians throughout the classical music world are incredible musicians, but some of them couldn't compose a single note if you asked them to, because it's a whole different skill set, of course. So just talk a little bit about how you, as a, a songwriter, uh, because I, I believe it's you that writes a lot of your band's original songs. How did that process start? And 
uh, why, why did you decide to go that route? Um, yeah, absolutely. So I do, um, I do the main lyric writing and, um, the other guys, you know, they'll, we'll, we'll send pieces around and, uh, um, you know, maybe Nathan comes up with some guitar riff and he's like, Hey, tell me what you think of this and sends it over. Um, or back in the days when they could visit, um, you know, we'd all be here and Greg would be walking through the other room playing something. I'm like, Hey, what is that? Play that again. Is that, is that something <laughs> you, is that yours? Is that like something you're making up? Cause I like that. Do, do, yeah. And then, you know, I'll have just have him record a section, and play it over and over. And, um, it, it really is rewarding to, to get to write and play our own stuff. And uh, we did just drop our first original single. Um, it's called Freedom's Cost. And uh, we have two more that are in the pipeline. Um, Last Memory and Accept the End. And um, they're all pretty different from, they, you know, they kind of go over a, a pretty wide variety of sounds and uh, um, tunes, but yeah, it really does make a huge difference to, I like it, I think it's easier because, well, I mean, if we're doing a Tom Petty cover, it, it, he's, he's got that weird voice and it, you know, <laughs> gotta sing that totally different than singing, you know, a Pink Floyd cover or, right. um, you know, it, it just makes such a huge difference. And, and you're trying to remember somebody else's words and the, you know, the, especially for some of the, you know, some, some of the ones that are like classics that people love, you know, they're like, oh, the, you know, the, the drum fill wasn't exactly on point or it, it makes such a huge difference. The same thing happens to us in the orchestra world because there's so many recordings of Beethoven 5 out there that when people come to hear a performance of Beethoven 5, if it's not the exact same tempo or just like you said, it, oh, I, I like the, the brass to sound this way. If it doesn't sound exactly like that, they're like, ah, oh, it's just not the same. So I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. I, actually, orchestra is sort of like the perfect example of a cover band because we, I mean, we play all these original pieces, of course but we're recreating them instead of creating them on the spot or, you know, coming up with our own original piece right there at the moment. So we're kind of like a cover band ourselves. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. All the things you're talking about are, uh, as being, you know, difficult or awkward or somehow unnatural. Those are all the things that I have to f figure out every day that I also find difficult, uh, or unnatural at times. And, you know, that's my whole job and I'm actually, uh, often envious of of composers or uh, you know any musician like yourself that that creates not only the performance but also the the music itself. Um, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about about you know the inspiration from your music. I mean, from the titles that you've been mentioning, it's relatively obvious. But but go into a little bit more depth because I think. Um, you know, when you listen to your music, the authenticity of, of what you're communicating that, you know, you've, you're, you're not singing about something that someone else experienced or, you know, even your interpretation of something that's happened around. I mean, this is, this is your life, your experience, you know, lots of guys who've gone through, you know, real, real challenge and trauma and overcoming uh, so many things. And it comes out in your music in this incredibly impactful way. Uh, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I got to say, um, a lot of it is, I mean, you know, whether, it, I mean, not everything I write is necessarily from my own perspective. Um, and it, it is, it's a little nerve wracking in its own way because you know, sometimes I'll, I'll write something and then I, I start second guessing it because I'm like, oh, is, you know, are people going to take that the wrong way or is that too much? Is it, you know, going a little too far there? Um, getting a little too, little too dark, a little too real. Um, and, and, you know, that, that is something I, I worry about at times, but for the most part, um, I just, I, I, especially with the guys, they've, they've really given me a big boost, you know, just telling me like, Hey, you know, right. Like, don't, doesn't matter what anybody else wants to hear. 
like if if you're writing what's real and what what's true to you and you know you're you're writing about um you know sometimes alluding to uh in different songs you know veteran suicide is a huge problem substance abuse um you know these these things aren't exactly popular topics and um that's part of why I want to say things about them because they they are important and they are making a big deal even if they are it's hard to talk about or it's uncomfortable or um if if we can help people see that um you know hey it, like life life gets messy and it got a little messier for us than it you know obviously messy for us than it does for a lot of people but um if we can still you know be talking about you know our real issues and trying to encourage people and connect with people then you know uh, that that's the person I'm writing it for the person I actually you know I want them to connect with that and I want people to be able to look at it from different walks of life and still have it touch them well all great art has a lot of truth to it and and your art does of course as well and it also, when you were just talking about that, also made me think of the examples from the classical music world of some of the greatest pieces have been written in some of the most traumatic times in our world's history. You know, I think of composers like Shostakovich or um, other composers composing during wartime or, you know, we're going through a time right now with the pandemic. I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of art comes out of 2020. You know, it's going to be interesting just to see what our composers and rock bands and visual artists and various other people that create what they take from this and what they're able to create. I, I think, I mean, in a way, like the band, we kind of went through our own little, when, after we were first injured, you know, each individually, we went through our own little quarantine. And, mm. you know, um, for a while, it was, you know, it's gloves and masks and gowns and, you know, you're got all these infections and you're just not allowed to see anyone or go anywhere. And, um, all the distractions then, you know, like we're, we're so used to, we love our distractions. We love our sporting events and going to the movies and going out to dinner just because we can and we want to, and that's great. Um, but people are, uh, they're stuck. You know, they have to, they have to spend time with themselves and, Mm. and, you know, spending time thinking and kind of locked away from other influences and, you know, getting to just hang out with their friends or family or whoever, you know, the, those big influences. And it makes you look at what do I think and where, you know, you're not just gravitating towards the, the strongest or most, you know, opinion that you most connect with you you've got time to actually reflect and look at yourself and be stuck by yourself (laughs) so that's that actually makes me think are you doing quite a bit of writing now i mean is now now that you're you know stuck as you say as we all are uh, you know what's writing like for you right now um you know it it's been going pretty good i i've been doing a fair bit of writing and um i've been i have been playing around on the guitar more um, I, I, I've written stuff for the band, um, on the guitar, um, tunes and, uh, if, you know, sometimes, uh, like the one, one gu- guitar piece I, I wrote ended up being, it was a guitar lick in the song, but then it's also the backup vocals. There are backup vocals doing what was part of a guitar piece before and, um, so I've just been trying to, I've been branching out some, it's definitely not, um, performance level, uh, guitarmanship, but, uh, it's, you know, it's good enough to get some tracks and get some ideas down. And, uh, um, it has been, I mean, for me this last year, especially I've tried to just, I just write whenever, even if it's just a couple words or, you know, a sentence, um, but I'll just jot I'll just jot stuff down throughout my day, and um, uh, last year I made was 
when I really made the point to to like attack that and just make that part of like one of my habits of just jotting down different thoughts and ideas and notes because um, after a little while, you know, I'm hey maybe I didn't look at these lines for a few months, but then I realized something I'm I'm thinking about and writing now is connecting with that and um, and then pieces just start to start to align. Tim, I've got to ask you, you guys have played with a lot of really cool artists uh, from all different genres of music um, on all different stages throughout the United States. What are some of your most memorable performances or, or people that you've had the chance to work with in the band? Oh, uh, well, so um, our first big show was uh, for a, a nonprofit event for the uh Bob Woodruff Foundation. And um, that was uh, with Roger Waters from Pink Floyd. And G.E. Smith um, uh, was playing guitar. And I I mean, the the number of, you know, incredible musicians on stage that night, one after another. And, you know, they have, uh, they had, they would have like a comedy section um, and so, you know, they'd have different comedians coming up and, um, uh, I think Robin Williams was there and, wow. um, Jim Gaffigan mm-hmm. and some of those guys. Nice. Um, but, um, in terms of, in terms of the artists, that was like really what got our name out there at the beginning, I think, and was, you know, and it wasn't terrible. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, uh, it went great. It was awesome. And, um, since then we, you know, we got to come out there and play with you guys and the, the entire symphony and, uh, and Alita Adams. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about, uh, Yo-Yo earlier. Um, Yo-Yo Ma, he is just both an incredible musician and an incredible human being. And, um, I, I hope to work with him again at some point. Um, oh man! Um, Did I see Cheryl Crow? Oh, Cheryl Crow! Oh yeah, and, yeah. Oh, our our band manager would uh, would probably hit me for this, but um, <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Tell us. I I always leave some people out, and she's like always correcting me so so if, if i miss a couple just help me out I, I was on a lot of a lot of different medications over those years lots of surgeries so some of those are a little little foggy um you guys started at the top though i tell you what i mean i'm like i think it was um i think it was the show out in um aspen with yo-yo ma and um arthur bloom from uh, Musicor, who started Musicor, he's a Juilliard-trained pianist and composer, and um, and then uh, it was a vocalist from the New York. She was a vocalist for the New York City Opera, hmm. and so it's the four of us, and we're doing some dry runs before the crowd comes in, and we go through it, and I think I think it was America the Beautiful and. Um, maybe Wide River to Cross or but uh, um, we're running through it and Yo-Yo stops uh, after we you know hit the last note and he's just like looking around at us and he's like that was beautiful I am so honored to be part of this and I'm like looking around at the other three and I'm like (laughs) you guys you guys no, I, I don't like really do this. Like this isn't my thing. <laughs> I'm so out of my league here, out of my depth. <laughs> but um, that's the thing when you know they were such amazing experiences working with working with you guys, working with artists like that. That it made me feel like I could do it, and you know that it was something I it was achievable. It was I could reach out for it. Um, yeah, um, uh, a couple. I guess there were a couple things with Cheryl Crow uh, that we did. Um, the C- I think it was the CNN Hero Awards. Mm-hmm. Musicor was uh, a part of that. And um, Billy Corgan, um, Tom Morello. I think that was the Music Heels show in, in D.C. at the uh, Constitution Hall. And 
Tom Tom Morello's like uh, from um, Rage Against the Machine. He's, he's oh, yeah. playing with his mm. teeth. <laughs> how did I end up here? I, I don't know what happened, guys, but all right. If if you're cool with it, I'm cool with it. I'll I'll keep doing this. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, those are a lot of uh, awesome people, but I know we all know that Kansas City Symphony was your favorite performance of all those, I'm sure. Are, that was the most overwhelming and most intimidating. I'll, I'll give it that. And the biggest show we've done, oh. it was, uh, man, that's been like the, one of the standout points for us ever since. It's, it's just, you know. How, how do you how do you compare? Well, it was a standout point for us too, and believe uh, believe me when I say the honor was all ours. We Absolutely. really enjoyed having you, and we can't wait to have you back again at that event again. Uh, thank you so much, guys. I, we we can't wait. So, do you all have some uh, you know long term goals for the band or yourself individually? Do you see yourself you know continuing to live and work in music indefinitely? Are there other things you want to do? Um. Well, so um, we've been, in terms of with the band, we've been we've been ramping it up this this past year a lot. And um, in January was when we released our first single, uh, and we played at um, NAM Show 2020 in Anaheim, California, uh, on the D'Angelico stage. They they invited us out, and that was awesome. And so we were really working up to having. Uh, basically we want to be able to play our originals for people. Um, and then, uh, as we've been working, we've gotten enough originals together that, um, not, not released yet, but, um, we've gotten enough originals that are written and finished that, you know, we could do most of a show, just our music. And instead of being mainly a cover band, we can do a couple you know, a couple covers we enjoy doing, you know, a couple classics, you know, but then we can be sharing what we actually want to say. And so, yeah, I mean, as you guys know, though, everything's, everything's gotten shut down and canceled. And we had a bit of a tour-ish thing planned for May and June. And, um, you know, we were going to be out there with you guys. We were expecting you guys at at this 18th annual celebration at the station. And we were... So excited to have you and um, super bummed. Looking forward, <laughs> looking forward to getting it rescheduled we'll because uh, hey, yeah, it, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, <laughs> You'll um, be back. and hopefully we'll be we'll be even better prepared when the time comes. Um, we've just been this last little while trying to change gears, and um, you know, I mean, needless to say, we 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 all we've been beat up pretty good physically and uh you know between i don't think i don't think any of the guys had fewer than 20 surgeries and like you know hardware and infections and you know immune issues and um so with everything that's been going on we've been laying pretty low and uh just trying to play it safe and so we're we're not sure when you know when we'll be doing live shows again when we'll be able to you know be flying around no big deal um, but, uh, we're, we're, we've been ramping up doing, um, some, some live videos and trying to, uh, amp up our recording, um, so that we're shooting pieces around, uh, pieces of, uh, writing and music around and just, um, getting more done for, you know, just use this time to get some work done. I mean, I have, I have a plenty to do around here, around our place. Um, Kelly and I have, you know, we have bees we have a couple beehives out back we have oh that's awesome um my service dog sandy and we um yeah i i uh i like doing a lot of different stuff i've got a blacksmith shop set up down in my barn um i you know it's i but the music has been and especially now we you know we were all going to be together right around now we've been planning on uh working on stuff so uh, we're kind of just missing each other and and uh, hoping to be, um, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that come up. And again, I want to say thank you so much for having me on here, guys. This is this is great. Well, Kansas City loves you guys, and we are are super excited to uh, have you back whenever we can. Absolutely. We uh, we loved Kansas City, and um, I, this time I think we we were planning on doing a 
a few different things <clears throat> while we were out there because we wanted to hang out for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Get some barbecue. <laughs> It'll come around in its own time. It will. Well, Tim, this has been an amazing conversation and uh, we could probably have made a two-hour podcast uh, with you talking about your band and uh, some of your life story because it is just uh, truly so incredible and so uh, inspiring. But one of the things that we have to ask you before you go, because this is the most important part of Beethoven Walks Into a Bar, what is... Your drink of choice. Ooh, I uh, I gotta go with um, a dirty gin martini. Ooh, yes. oh, I like nice. that answer. That's my work. How drink. many olives? At least two, but probably like four. I love that answer because I just went to Costco this morning and grabbed myself a big old Kirkland gin. (laughs) Mm. So, so this is a promise then now when you come back to Kansas city, we're all going to share a dirty gin martini together after the show on Memorial day or whatever day it is that you uh, come back. Not before the show. (laughs) Personal. Personal choice. I'll have to uh, read my CBA and see what it says about musicians drinking martinis before concerts on television. But you know, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> there's, there's Michael well, reading his music with one eye, like, yeah, like hey, <laughs> hold still, notes. Well, we'll do that martini for sure all together. In the meantime, you'll just have to settle for a quarantini. Oh, ah, oh never mind. That was boy. just awful. Sorry, oh, everyone. Sorry, boy. sorry. Bad joke. All right. Well, enough about drinking. We want to leave you uh, with some recommended listening like we always do. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about Celebration at the Station and uh, thinking about Resilient and uh, what we sometimes play out there. And at least a couple of times, uh, I think, we have played one of my favorite uh, pieces of Leonard Bernstein, uh, his three dances from On the Town. Uh, and, and, one, I love it just because it's great music. Two, of course, uh, it tells a story of three sailors going out on the town uh, in New York on a on a day of leave. And um, third, I found a really cool recording of it performed by the Marine Band. So uh, check it out on YouTube. Some of uh, Tim Donnelly's uh, comrades in arms there playing uh, on the town. And actually, the Marine Band uh, is is one of uh, one of the best bands, ensembles uh, anywhere. And the musicians in it are absolutely first rate. It's an incredibly uh, competitive band to get into. And it's really, you know, the premier uh, military band in the United States. They are definitely phenomenal. Uh, my recommended listening for the week uh, comes from The Resilient. It is their new single, Freedom's Cost, which just came out in January, I believe. It's not only a great tune, um, I, I know it's on YouTube and Spotify. Uh, Tim, where else can we find Freedom's Cost? People want to listen to it. Oh, um, Apple, Apple Music. Um, it's up on yep. basically every, uh, you can even find it on, um, what's, what's that one called where you, it, you hear a song and then you, you start the program and it tells you what the song is. And the oh, art. Shazam. 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 Nice. It's even on there, so that's pretty exciting. Cool. Well, it's a great tune, and I I really love the lyrics. I think they're very meaningful, and uh, I definitely recommend you check that out. Tim, do you have any recommended listening for our listeners to this podcast for the week? Ooh, I... uh, Anything else? I got to go with um, Small Time Blues by Pete Drogue. That's one I've been listening to lately and um, just working on a little bit on my own. And um, also, uh, I, you know, some, some good old Bach, you know, um, yes. that, that cello, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I mean, and, and that's, that's the one Yo-Yo always suggests, but it's, there's a reason it's, it's a, it's a great one. It's one of my favorites. I love listening to it. Like in the evening time when, you know, got the fire going, it's perfect. Well, I said it at the beginning, but I will say it again. My recommended listening is 100% music core with the Kansas City Symphony performing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah in 2013. Um, if you if you want to get some chills and uh, 
and just be really inspired by these incredible gentlemen. Uh, definitely watch that. I'll put the YouTube link up for you guys. Well, welcome back to 2023 now, where according to President Biden, the pandemic is over. And according to the Kansas City Symphony, the resilience is coming back for celebration at the station. And we could not be more thrilled. Uh, I want to direct all of our listeners to check out their website, theresilientband.com, all one word. Their music is just so incredibly powerful and evocative and authentic coming from these uh, heroes who, well, fortunately and thankfully lived to tell their story and sing about their story, but are, of course, forever changed uh, by the trauma that occurred in their lives. And they are just inspiring, thoughtful, and amazing artists. And if for no other reason than them, you should come to Celebration at the station and hear them play. That's right. So you can see and hear The Resilient and the Kansas City Symphony live on Sunday, May 28th, the pre-show activities start at 5 p.m. The Symphony and the Resilient take the stage at 8 p.m. And as we said, come early, find a spot on the lawn, eat food from all the, I think, 20 or 24 food trucks that are going to be there. Um, but not take, the unlicensed hot dogs. No, not those. no. Everybody is fully licensed this year. There's going to be glow lights and um, you know, like, so the kids have stuff to play with and there's ice cream and there's hot dogs, licensed hot dogs and tacos and burgers and all the fun stuff. But you know what? There will not be at Celebration at the station, but there will need to be before that, Mike, are dirty martinis. Absolutely. Yes. We owe Tim a, a very dirty martini. Four That's right. olives, five olives, <laughs> all the olives. If, if you take nothing else away from that, Mike, it's that we deserve martinis with Tim. So I think that uh, that sounds great. And I can't wait to see them in person and um, hear this performance. It's been 10 years since we heard Tim Donnelly sing on that stage. And, and I really look forward to doing that again. Again, it's May 28th, Sunday, right before Memorial Day. And the symphony takes the stage at 8 p.m. Following that performance is always the fireworks. So we hope to see you guys then. As always, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you get every new episode of Beethoven Walks Into a Bar just as soon as it drops. And we'll be back with fresh episodes very soon. In the meantime, don't forget to go to kcsymphony.org to find out about all of our upcoming concerts this spring. We hope to see you in Healthsburg Hall very soon. And of course, at Celebration at the Station. Celebration.